This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Whoa, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's the Public of Football show as resourceful as Austinani's upcoming AARP membership. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson. Sitting next to me in the studio, catching his breath, is Mike Craven, college football insider. Hey. What is up, Mike? I did not know that was coming. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. I'm right there with him. I keep getting uh, emails and stuff, too. So there you go. I'm right so you, there. you guys can trade. Uh, you guys yeah. can exchange the same text age. messages. There you go. Uh, this weekend when you guys are in El Paso. Over there, sitting, making us sound good, making sure the camera cuts to me. And the two shot for Craven because we don't have a one shot on him. We'll work on that. Is Mallory Hartley, producer, everyone's favorite Mal Pal. How are you doing? Good. You probably heard my voice at the beginning of this because <laughs> I didn't know when Mike was on. Classic, right? If only, good thing you're not the only person controlling the mics over there. So, <laughs> <laughs> good thing I'm in charge, right? <laughs> anyway, on today's show, damn, y'all, we got football this weekend. Football's here. Oh, my God. Week Time. zero. Uh, so because we're in the middle of this crazy halfway mark of the season starting but not also starting, we're just going to act like the whole season's starting, and we're going to do a whole preview show. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to play a game of 21 questions except 12 questions. We're going to give every single FBS program in the state a question, and we're gonna, that's how we're going to base it, right? A, season, uh, a, a question to base their season off of storylines whatever you want it'll be unique to each one and we're gonna that that's the full show right we're gonna, we don't have a guest we have a, like i said we have a game this weekend so we're gonna preview those two teams first and that's what we're gonna do we're gonna break it down for you if people are familiar with split zone duo yes that's where i kind of took this idea their conference previews and the way they kind of structure them is like hey let's do that but for all the fbs programs in the state so sure. i'm gonna do my best uh, alex kirshner impression today <laughs> there you go so like i said We'll be running through that. Like I said, no guest, all that stuff. We'll be back. It's usual format, things like that. By the way, should hint at, Mallory and Mike will be in El Paso this weekend, right? Yeah. They'll be hitting up a football game on Friday. They'll be going to, of course, UNT at UTEP on Saturday, which looks to be close to a sellout, very, very close to a sellout. And then they'll bring you our first ever recap show Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, whenever they get it uploaded. It'll be them too. It'll be live on location. It could be after the game for all we know. I don't know. They'll figure out when they're going to record it, but... Your first ever recap show of the weekend will be available on Spotify and Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll so. also give you a little bit of high school football action, too, because we're going to Pebble Hills and Canateo on go. Friday night. So you'll get a little bit of high school in there, too. And so. they'll give you a, a good a rundown of just overall city of El Paso. Yeah, the yes. food uh, and the subject matter stuff. expert when exactly. it comes to that. So exactly. yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. Uh, hopefully, I don't ruin it for Mallory. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be good. I anyway. trust you. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna have a game of the week every week as the season starts. Obviously, there's only one game this week, so let's just get right into it. UNT, UTEP. Let's start with these questions. Mike, you have questions for us and me and Mallory. We're also going we're all going to discuss them, give answers, give input, all that. But Mike, you came up with these questions and we're going to start with the visiting North Texas Mean Green. Okay, we'll start with North Texas here. I'm going to read a little bit of like some information uh, to provide some context, and then I'll read the question as how this will kind of go. So, okay. for North Texas, the Mean Green started 1-6 and six in 2021 before storming back to reach their fifth bowl game in six years under the leadership of head coach Seth Luttrell. The program won 23 times in the first three seasons he was in charge, including nine wins in 2017 and 2018. Conversely, North Texas has only managed 14 wins in the last three seasons. So, my question how many wins does Seth Luttrell's team need to win in 2022 for the fan base to be confident in the current regime heading into the AAC that they're entering next season? I'm going to say – this is going to sound steep, but I'm going to say absolutely no less than seven. I think I, it's seven. I was going to say the same exact thing. I think it's closer to eight. If it goes like last year, I don't – even if they – let's put it this way. 
if they squeak their way to seven with some whatever was last year's vibe, right? Oh, there's a real lull, and then they kind of hit stride. I don't think that saves them. They need they need to, a winning record. They need a That's winning they record. Need. They need a confident winning record, right? Yes. Like there's there can't be any plummets like Marshall last year. Um, I think it has to be a steady trajectory to be to the keywords comfortable, yeah. right? To feel comfortable. You can you can you can win seven games. Be like, eh, he can he can stay until we go to the AAC. You're not gonna feel comfortable about it, right? So I also think they they need to win the games that that they're supposed to win, that yes. they're projected to win. You know, they they can't come into FIU, you know, and just barely squeak by with a win like that. They need to actually win win those games that they're supposed to win. <laughs> Right, because not not all records are the same. It's about how you feel about them. Right, sure. as you're getting into November, how do you feel about 2023? How mm-hmm. do you feel about North Texas? For me, it's dependent almost as much on the quarterback position. Yes, like if Grant Gannell yes. comes on later on in the year, becomes the guys like he's going to be our dude for the next couple of years. Let's ride this if it's working well. Mm-hmm. If it's Austin Ani all the way through, it's like do you enter another off season not knowing who the quarterback's going to be, what it's going to be like? Uh, because if you look at the Latrell era, it's divided into two parts. It's the Mason, Mason Fine years and the non-Mason right. Fine years. Mm-hmm. When he's had a really good quarterback, they've won nine games each of those years. It's like when Old he's Testament, had an average, New Testament. Yeah, yeah it's like there's a clear line of deviation. <laughs> so I'm with you all. I think more than six and six. I think it's got to be a seven and five and a feel good about going into the next year seven and sure. five. Sure. I think I look at their schedule, and I'm going to count the winnable games. Right? I'm not going to say they're winning all these games. But I'm going to say the ones that I would not be shocked if they won. I'm going to go UTEP, Texas Southern, UNLV, Memphis, FAU, mm-hmm. La Tech, Western Kentucky, FIU. Western Kentucky. And Rice. That's what, eight? Yeah. Nine. Eight, nine. Winnable, yeah. right? I'm not saying they're going to beat Western Kentucky, right? I still think we don't know a lot about Western Kentucky because we thought Jared Daigie was going to be a starter. He's not. Apparently, it's going to be – I forgot the new guy, but it's a, I believe it's a, a FCS guy or something, yeah. another mm-hmm. transfer. Um, so we don't know anything about them. So I'd count that as a winnable game right now. Right. That's nine, eight to nine winnable games, and I think they might have to hit close to that mark to feel comfortable. And so. let me t- let me throw something at you a little bit too. Being around the fan base so much, mm-hmm. I know that we don't put as much weight on bowl games as other people do, but this fan base does. Oh yeah, and getting to a bowl game is great and all, sure. but they want to win a bowl game mm-hmm. as well. And so I was about to say, they haven't been able to do that, and. I think that they need to they need to get to a bowl game and they need to win the that, bowl game. That's too. a good point because their best ever team got embarrassed in a bowl game. Exactly. Right with that Mason Fine team, that was not a fun bowl game for anybody involved. Um, There's just the a other, lot of weight behind them. The other thing I want to mention for North Texas is, you look at the landscape of college football, and I made a joke on Twitter. I think Keaton Slovis was announced as Pitt's starting quarterback, and I was like, I don't know who's starting anywhere. I think I also realized that uh, J T Daniels is at. Western West Virginia now I did not know this um and I kept thinking I was like oh man and then Parker uh, stats of war on Twitter threw up a graphic of the only schools with the same head coach OC DC and starting quarterback Texas uh, North Texas is one of only 22 in the entire country that has their head coach OC DC and starting quarterback returning that has to mean something, right? That's, yeah. I, again, maybe Grant Gannell <laughs> takes over afterward, but continuity has to mean something. You have to see that something is happening in a good way if you bring back all those things, especially in this in this era of parity and shifting around and transfer portals. You've held somebody there, right? Yeah. That's a good I think, point. I think Phil Bennett's the the big hire mm-hmm. there for, sure. for uh, South Latrell. I think the defense kind of saves them this year. I, I think they're going to be pretty good. This uh, I'm starting to talk myself into North Texas over UTEP. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think I think South Latrell is going to survive. Let's move to UTEP. Uh, Dana Dimmel led UTEP to a seven-win season in 2021 in its first bowl game since 2014. The Miners have only gone bowling two years in a row, once this century and twice as a program, which sounds insane, but it's true. UTEP expects a sellout for the Sun Bowl in the Week Zero matchup against North Texas for the first time since 2008. It'll be the first sellout of a conference game since 2005 because that 2008 game was against Texas, so really Mm -hmm. Texas sold that out. So Mm -hmm. first conference sellout since 2005. The team lost its best offensive player in Jacob Cowing. Star linebacker Breon Hayward is out at least this week as they deal with an eligibility issue. Um, So my question for UTEP is – does the dream continue for Dimmel and his minors, or are we expecting too much from UTEP to go to back-to-back bowl games in 2022? And let me f- preface this with the over and under on the year is five and a half in Vegas, right? So good gamblers good gamblers are kind of seeing this as kind of a, a relapse year for UTEP. Yeah, that's a really good over-under because I was looking at their schedule and I see six and six. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic. I, I don't think we're expecting too much. The thing that will – 
the thing that frustrated me about UTEP last year, offensively in particular, um, was that they were a running team that couldn't run the ball, right? They were a running team that hit big explosive plays in the passing game, which I didn't think could get them to a bowl game on its own. It did because they had Jacob Cowing and Justin Garrett. Now both those guys are gone on the outside. So you had two probably NFL caliber receivers on the outside that were saving you when, you know, you look at all the numbers down to down, they were not a good football team. They wanted to be a lot more balanced and they just had to kind of rely on these big chunk plays. D can they run the ball this year, right? Can mm -hmm. they, Is Gavin Hardison good in between the first down and line of scrimmage, which he wasn't last year? Is, are these new, receiver, are these new receivers going to step up? Is Hankins going to stay healthy? Is Awat going to be able to uh, give him some, some rest? He was able to be pretty good last year. I don't think we're expecting too much for them to say because I think the standard was set last year, and I think their schedule does bode favorably. It's not the hardest, not the easiest. Um, the path to six is there. I do wonder if if and if we expect anything more than that. I think an even six and six is a good yeah. good way to put it for UTEP. And yes. I did see something too. I thought this was kind of interesting. It said UTEP hasn't had back to back winning seasons since the Mike Price era. Mm. Um, led the Miners to eight wins in both 2004 and 2005. And if we know anything, history is kind of doomed to repeat itself. So yeah, I, that 2005 season is the last time they sold out a conference game. Right. You know? So like they're starting to get the excitement back you know, from the early 2000s where there was some excitement for UTEP football. It's a unique place to watch a game at the, at the Sun Bowl. I, this is going to sound insane because I hate this kind of stuff usually, mm -hmm. but this week zero game against North Texas is going to tell me a lot. Sure. Yeah, they win this will. game. I think they're comfortably to six, seven wins. They hit the over. Everything's good. They go to back-back -back conference games, and it's like this success story. They lose to North Texas, especially if they lose to North Texas by like seven, ten points, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, hmm, I think we're overrating the UTEP story. Because so, then at that point, you got Oklahoma, so that's another loss. Right. And then you play rival New Mexico State, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying they're gonna they're they'll probably be a favorite against them, but that's still a rivalry game right across the border of the the, the states. So. Future Conference USA rivalry that's game. That's a good right. point. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm terrified. I do want to hint a little bit on this game. So Craven, what are the key matchups for you in this game? Obviously, you also had the story um, earlier this week that Breon Hayward looks like he's not going to play, still dealing with eligibility issues, right. hasn't practiced. That's UTEP's leading tackler. Obviously, a huge loss. What are the, some of the matchups that you think will dictate this game? I think the biggest one's going to be North Texas's offensive line versus UTEP's defensive line. It's mm -hmm. kind of strength on strength, sure. right? Like the offensive line at North Texas is really good. They ran for, I think, 32 or 33 rushing touchdowns last year, second most in program history. That North Texas front seven is one we really like. Mm -hmm. uh, I know with Breon Hayward out, that makes that even more. Like North Texas is going to run the football, yeah. right? And so what does that mean to not have your leading tackler from last year in the middle of that defense? Will that build a hole for UTEP? You know, Austin Ani's always our question mark for North Texas. Right. But you look at these last two games where they beat UTEP I mean, by a combined five points. So both of them have been really, really close. Um, but Austin Ani's hasn't thrown an interception in two starts against UTEP. And he hasn't been sacked at mm -hmm. all in two starts against UTEP, right? Okay. If North Texas doesn't give up a sack on Saturday, North Texas wins. Mm. UTEP has to get to Ostinani because if not, if Ostinani gets comfortable, he can make all the throws. He's sure. got an excellent arm. He was a major league baseball player, right? Yeah. He can throw the football. He doesn't do well once he has to move around the pocket or go to the second read or even the third read. That's when he struggles. UTEP has to get him off of that by getting pressure in his face. Um, they have the defensive line to do it. Uh, but does North Texas have the offensive line I was gonna to say, counter that? I think that's my concern is North Texas' offensive line. I mean, they lost so much the transfer portal this past year, so mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a pretty big concern for North Texas. That's going to be the matchup. I think if North Texas survives the first quarter, they're golden. Sure. Because Bradley Dale Pavetto is going to be telling that defense to go absolutely nuts. They're going to have a sold-out Sun Bowl. They know that that's going to be their side of the ball. They know Asanani is prone to mistakes. And mm -hmm. so, especially if UNT comes out and tries to maybe hit him with a big play early, probably try to silence the crowd, probably get, some, get Austin Ani some confidence. If they can force a mistake early and get on them, get this crowd behind them and keep them in it, because that that's kind of what lost them against UTSA a little bit right. too, was the crowd got out of it, right? If they can keep that crowd going, that's something. If UNT gets out, maybe, even if they're just down one score 
or if it's tied or even if they have a lead after the first quarter, they're golden. I think Seth the Trail is saying, let's keep that up. Mm-hmm. I'm super interested in the scripted North Texas series. Yes. Yep. Like, because if they run the ball 13 out of the first 15 plays, it's like, oh, they don't trust Austin Ani. Like, right. They're still figuring out that he, he won that by default. Yeah. Nobody else stepped up. If they come out and first down play action, let's take a deep shot, even if they don't complete it, it's like, hey, mm-hmm. they feel pretty good about that passing game. Because you ask North Texas and he's like, and they'll be like, Y'all are too hard on Austin Ani. He yeah. was without most of his wide receivers last year. Sure. When he's had good wide receivers, he's been okay. Fair. We'll see if that's true. Yeah. I think that's this so. has to be the best matchup of week zero, too. If you look across the board, oh, yeah. I, think I think from so. top to bottom, I think this has to be one of the best, if not the best, matchups of week zero. So all eyes are going to be on this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of gambling so dollars on it. Yeah. It's at eight, <laughs> 9 o'clock Eastern, you know. Right. It's, like, it's going to be like a Hawaii game. There's going to be more money on this UTEP game than maybe ever exactly. on a UTEP game in the history of the world. Exactly. Exactly. All right, before we continue with the rest of our previews, we have a word from our sponsors, Athletes to Athletes. Every high school athlete wants to play on the big stage. Every parent wants their child to be the best. But is making your target list of schools based on top 25 rankings really the best strategy? What about academics, location, coaching style, financial aid? There are so many factors that should be considered when selecting a college program outside of on-field performance. Our friends at Athletes to Athletes have put together a recruiting guide centered around providing a broader, more holistic perspective about what your college experience could be. Complete with checklists, do's and don'ts, key strategies, and much more, this 22-page guide covers everything you and your family should know as you walk through your college recruiting journey. For a limited time, Athletes to Athletes is offering this guide for free to our audience. Just go to athletestoathletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell today to download the free college recruiting guide. That's athletestoathletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell. All right, Craven, who's next? We are going to the Power 5 level with the Texas Longhorns. The Longhorns are 83-67 and 67 overall and 55-51 and 51 in Big 12 play since the start of the 2010 season. Soak that in for a second. 55-51 and 51 in Big 12 play Back since the start day, of the we 2010 season. national titles. Right, exactly, 100%. <laughs> they were. Most expect Texas to move to the SEC in either 2024 or 2025, which gives Steve Sarkeesian's program at least two more years in the Big 12 this year, 2022, next year, 2023. Mm-hmm. The question – do the Longhorns win a Big 12 title before they leave the conference? No. <laughs> I, I got to say no. Um, here's the thing. When, obviously, we, we were worried about the defense this year, right? Obviously. That's not going to solve itself in one offseason. Granted, transfer portal's weird, but I still don't see them in 2023 having – they might have a better defense, but I don't know. We'll see. Um <clears throat> In defense of this, I'm going to shoot down my own point. I'm going to bring up a point. I'm going to shoot down and shoot it down. In defense of them, maybe the possibility. Lincoln Riley made a career of winning with just offense, right? He dominated the Big 12, had no defense, kept changing coordinators, kept trying to do stuff. They got good. They got decent uh, recruits out of there. So the path is there, right? If Steve Sarkeesian is the guy that we think he is offensively, I think he's a pretty good play caller. Let's see if he can develop the players like we, like we uh, Texas fans hope he can. If Quinn Ewers is that generational talent, then yes, the path is there. The conference is also better top to bottom yeah, than yes. when it, when Lincoln Riley was running the floor with all these guys. So that's that's me bringing up a, a point in their favor and then shooting it down because, yeah, I don't think this happens. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to lean towards yes. Really? I think Texas is the favorite for the Big 12 going into 2023. Quinn Ewers returns as starter. They are going to have a really good backfield. That offensive line is going to be good the next year. They're going to be like A&M, right, where they start two true freshmen this Mm -hmm. year. Those guys grow up. The offensive line class that they're recruiting has grown up. That defensive line class last year gets overlooked because of how good A&M's defensive line class was. Like Texas is going to get better in the trenches, right? Mm -hmm. I believe in Kyle Flood. I believe Mm -hmm. in Bo Davis. Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays on offense. Gary Patterson calling the plays on defense. Like, who – Who's betting against Texas in 2023? I just slipped that one in there. I hope you know, like I, I think Gary Patterson's going to be the defensive. You really do. I mean, that's my that's my favorite conspiracy theory right now. Okay. So you got Sarkeesian on like offense, it. Patterson on defense, an improved roster. Mm. They brought in 35 new faces this year. If it yeah. stinks again, they can just bring 35 new ones in, right? Like, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I don't. I think Dave Aranda may be in his last year at Baylor, right? Like Fair. he's going to get offered any job every single off season, right? right. Like. 
Oklahoma. I don't know. What I was they about to say we do not know what. Ben I have Venables no idea what Oklahoma like. is. That's like the um, the mystery dark horse. I think oh, I think Texas. I think Texas is. I mean, it's the Big Twelve, right? And Texas is Texas. We just went through the numbers: fifty-five and fifty-one in Big Twelve play since two thousand ten. Right. I think they're the favorites going into twenty twenty-three. I think they're probably the favorites going into twenty twenty-four. You give them two more years if they don't have to leave early. If they really do Stay make it, it through right. twenty twenty-two and twenty twenty-three. I think maybe you know maybe they don't win, but they're a favorite. They're the betting favorite going into next year, as long as this year isn't five and seven. They go eight and four this year. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a team that's better going into twenty twenty three. I also don't think we're going to be able to really tell anything until conference play. Sure, because you start off with Louisiana Monroe. Yep. Then you play at Alabama. Yep. And yeah. It's going to be very difficult, and then you play UTSA. So I don't even think you're going to be able to figure out what this team can be or what it's going to be. Sure until conference play starts. If Quinn Ewers is as good as we all think he is, that's a big question. I'm betting on Quinn Ewers. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that, that it's weird to say, I mean, it's not weird to say, but that, that is the the thing, right? If Quinn Ewers is what we, even if he's a fraction of what we think he is, right? Right. All the metrics said best recruit since Vince Young, right? Like flat out. If he is the second best recruit since Vince Young, right? If he's in that good (laughs) of what we think his ceiling is, then okay, then we're cooking with something here. And so, like I said, the path is there, right? Lincoln Riley ran this conference with no defense. I'm also betting right. on not Lincoln Riley being there, too. Also, fair, right. yes, fair enough. Right. Yes, you're betting on Steve Sarkeesian being the best schemer in this conference, right. which is possible. Again, like Mallory mentioned, Brent Venables is kind of the the wild card. We don't know what he's like. We don't know. Got I know a quarterback they hired, from out of state, too. I know like, they hired uh, Levy, I believe, yeah, uh, from Jeff Ole Miss. Levy. Yeah, Jeff Levy from Ole Miss to run the offense. So their offense, theoretically, should be pretty good. I don't know what he's going to be like on defense. Is Oklahoma's defense fixed now? I don't know since he's there. Who knows? Um, is Dylan Gabriel the answer? Yeah. I don't know. He hasn't played meaningful football in a while, like consistently. Um, it's, a, it's a lot. So I could see your point. I guess for me, I see just the full conference depth of – and I also – for me with Aranda, it's I got to believe when I see it, yeah. him leaving. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so until that happens, I'm still very hesitant. That was a great that. question by me. That was a good one. It was. It's was the most good, interesting one, too, because I knew we were going to kind of <laughs> you're, you're just gonna <laughs> let him pet yourself. Have, well, you're just going to let him the, I thought it was a good, like this? <laughs> I thought it was a good question. <laughs> it was a good question. It was a great, great question. Great recognizes great. Am yeah. I right? Thank you, Mallory. Anyway, moving on. Thank you, Mallory. This is why we're going to El Paso. That's why you're not invited. You're not invited. Yeah, you'd be in Ellen J's cafe, being like, "Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The enchiladas are okay, I guess." <laughs> be like, Dang, I really wish I was in San Antonio yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Gonna be in the Alamo Dome. Anyway, gonna be in my seat at the Alamo Dome. <laughs> Moving to Texas A and M. Texas A and M. Take away the 2020 season, and the Aggies have lost at least four games in all but one season since moving to the SEC before the 2012 season. Texas A and M has lost at least three conference games in eight of its ten seasons in the SEC. The only time this century that Texas A&M has won 10 games was in 2012. It's first in the SEC with what was basically a Big 12 roster and the Heisman quarterback or Heisman Trophy winning winner at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, question. Texas A&M was ranked 6th in the 2021 and 2022 preseason AP polls. So, is it Texas A&M more likely to win 10 games in 2022 or lose 3 conference games? I Go ahead. See, that's the sound of a great question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think it's more likely they go 10-2. and two. I love it. And I, and I can tell you which two games I think it's going to be that, they're, that they yep. lose. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's going to be Auburn. It's at Auburn. Really? Auburn? Okay. Playing Zach Calzada. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to – Yeah. They know what's coming, mm-hmm. I guess. But I think, I think they think that they know what's coming when they're mm-hmm. going to play Auburn. But I think Auburn's going to pull out some – some juice and maybe win that game. It's going to be obviously the an Alabama loss, and then I think it's going to be a, um, one that we're not expecting. Yeah. But the rest of their schedule, the schedule falls in their favor too. All the big games that they have, like Florida, LSU, Ole Miss, I believe too, all at home. So the the schedule definitely falls in their favor. Yeah, I'm going to lean. Or no, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you so off. So is this count? Is this just regular season? Yes. Okay. Twelve games of regular season. They're more likely to be ten and two. Or three three SEC losses. So I mm, this is hard for me because obviously Arkansas is there. So my losses, my my. Yeah, but they know what's coming with Arkansas now. Kind of. They still can't beat LSU. Uh, 
That's you don't the think thing. so? I don't know if they, they can never do. They never do. They I mean, it's a new regime year. in LSU, so maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They maybe didn't even have a coach a last year in the LSU one. That's true. I think um, it's a win. So, well, it's also senior day at Kyle Field this year. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. It's true. Um, so, I Bama, the wild card for me is Ole Miss. Yeah. I, I'm terrified of Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss this year. I really like yeah. Ole Miss. So, like, Did that's they find my, someone to replace Matt Corral? Like a really good quarterback? Yeah, they do. They got It was USC, the former Dart. Yes, isn't Jackson, Jackson Dart? Jackson Dart. So, oh, yes. so yeah. So they tr- they trust Oof. me. Lane Kiffin reloaded perfectly fine through the yeah. transfer portal. He's yeah, Zach Evans is there. Ulysses Bentley's there. Like he's, they're gonna be good. Gonna well, be maybe fine. it is nine and three. So I was about to say <laughs> I'm gonna lean towards that because you look at Arkansas could be a stumbling block. Alabama, of course, Ole Miss, Auburn. What's Florida right now? I don't know. They have a, a good coach, but I have no idea if he can coach in the SEC right now. And then of course there's always LSU. Like. Yeah. Those are five stumbling blocks that I do not know. They could lose three, four of those, you right. know? Like, yeah. And Mississippi State's not the worst team in the West. No, exactly. Like, like I, They're pretty yeah. good, too. Yeah, I think they'll be fine like, against Mississippi State, but, like, the fact that they're – I don't know. The only, the only win that I'm being like, yeah, I have no problem with is South Carolina. Yes. Right? Because I'm like, I, I'm sorry, Spencer Rattler didn't scare me. Like, we've seen him, right? It's fine. Um Florida, I'll probably pencil in Florida just because new coach. Sure. What they're retooling the roster there. Other than that, I don't know. If I can say like, yeah, A and M, boom, yeah. run them down. So, yeah, Alabama's one. Yes, right. You're already there because you're not beating them twice in a row. No, you're not going no, no, to Tuscaloosa no, no, no. after everything that's happened this offseason. Yeah, you're not Saban going into Tuscaloosa. Saban, Saban may beat them by 100 points. Right. Like just out of when is the last time a team went into Tuscaloosa? I mean, off Alabama. the top of my head, for A and M, it was Manziel. Manzo, was it really? Manziel went there and won yeah. uh, that Heisman Trophy uh, year. Probably one of the reasons he won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I lean definitely. more towards three conference losses because I think one is Alabama, so that only leaves them like really one more shot sure. to, to fall at 10 wins. I just have never seen A&M be consistent week in and week out enough yeah. to bet yeah, on that. Like point. last year, they were good enough to beat Alabama – and still lost to Mississippi State, still lost to LSU. Like, you know, like they're, they, yeah. they're capable of losing a game or two. They also had Zach Calzano. So. That's true. <laughs> I don't know how much better they are at quarterback. That's, 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 that's the, the question. That, like, yeah. I, that's the thing that makes me if – if this is next year, if this is 2023, give yes. me 10 wins. So, so this is my thing. We've seen all these teams name starting quarterbacks. Texas, we've seen Texas State, North – all these – like – that shows that there's confidence in those locker rooms behind those guys. Uh, now, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think Jimbo Fisher has three great quarterbacks just duking it out, right? Yeah, I saw <laughs> I, the spring yeah. game. Yeah, I don't think that there's like three NFL prospects being like, man, this this is a hard decision here. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, oh, boy, <laughs> let's get some more practices under our, under our belts. Like, I think it's more of – Come on, offensive you know, line. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> come Step on, it up offensive now. line, better hold up. <laughs> Devonta Chain, can you handle 30 carries a game? <laughs> I, I think there's a legitimately legitimate possibility that we're sitting here on November 1st and Connor Wigman's the quarterback and A&M's playing for 2023. Yeah. Like I, yeah. If they're not off to, like, a 7-1 and one start, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if they're, you know, like 6-3, and three, yes. right? Why not if he's if he's your guy the next year? Why not start there? So I I can see A and M if it doesn't go well early going our year is next year. Let's do everything this year to prepare for next year. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, three SEC losses are coming. My thing is too taking all this into account. The committee ranked them at what number six in the AP poll or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's not a three four five loss SEC team. Sure, but they were right? they were six last year and they went eight and four. Oh, that's good. You know, so that's like, is that SEC? Is that SEC? Right, it's that S- right. It's, it's right. The, just the it's difficultness just of playing that schedule week in and week out. Right. You know, like they're they're going to be favored in ten out of their twelve games. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean they win. They're the, that doesn't mean they win. You know. By the way, so. uh, looks like that twenty nineteen LSU was the last time last team to beat them in Tuscaloosa. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, Joe Burrow. That kind of generational. The team national. <laughs> so you got to have a Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner at quarterback. <laughs> one of the greatest, all, probably the greatest offense in, Mancel, in college football. Mancel, Mancel and Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Like you better, you better come correct. I just don't have that kind of confidence. Do you believe in, Max in Johnson? Johnson? I was just gonna say, do you believe in Max Johnson? That's just that me. Off? That's just me. I, you know, we're we're big fans of the King family, but I just sure. don't, I just don't know. I can't bet yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so that's A and M. Texas Tech. Up next, Joey McGuire takes over a Texas Tech program that hasn't posted a winning record in the Big 12 since 2009. Oh, my God. Hasn't posted a winning record in the Big 12 since 2009. That was the last year Mike Leach mm-hmm. was in charge. McGuire is the team's fourth coach since Leach left. 
Two of those three coaches only received three seasons. Cliff Kingsbury was the only one given more. So my question, how long does it take, if ever, for a McGuire-led Red Raiders team to record a winning record in conference play? Mm. Spoiler alert, it won't be 2022. No, no absolutely not. No. Um, we love Joey McGuire. <laughs> love him. He's on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> <clears throat> when do Texas and Oklahoma leave from the Big 12? Yeah. <laughs> it's correct. Just, <laughs> that is the correct answer. It's just too much of a stacked conference this year. I, I mean, you know, and I, probably next year. And when right. Cincinnati and Houston get there, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't get – That doesn't get better. It doesn't get a whole lot better. Like, BYU is pretty good. You right, know? right. So, uh, UCF is going to be pretty good with their yeah. recruiting. Like, the Big 12 is going to stay stay pretty good. So, yeah. how many years does it take before you're comfortable with Joey McGuire being an 8-9 win because that's basically what this means. Sure, sure. I'd say probably 2024, 2025, like, I, if I'm being honest. Um, because at that point, you're seeing his, his – His guys. His guys come through. Obviously, you know, transfer portal, you can be good overnight, all that stuff. But I think you look at Joey McGuire, you look at him, his recruiting strategy, similar to Jeff yes. Trailer, right? He's recruiting the high schools, and you're about to see his guys kind of come through. Now – you know, we saw UTSA's program last year, but now is kind of the time where Jeff Trailer's program comes through. It's going to be the same with Joey McGuire, right? Mm -hmm. We're gonna, These first couple of years are going to be mostly about what he was left, right? Obviously, he's picking guys and, and, you know, giving them a lot of good chances, guys like Brady Boyd, guys like Baylor Cup, all that. But as far as, like, the, the two deep, as far as the depth goes, the numbers, that's all a lot of Matt Wells guys that Joey McGuire is kind of working with now. So, and I think Tech knows that. And so I think 2022 and 2023 are going to be the years of – all right, Joey, how good of a coach are you, right? How good of a mm -hmm. just on-the-field development scheming coach are you, are you and your staff? 2024, 2025 is how good of a recruiter were you actually, right? How good of a developer were you actually? And I think those are the years where you can finally start looking at – now, obviously, they got to make bowls, right? They got to mm -hmm. look good in bowl games, right? They can't just – and they can't be getting shellacked like they did against Texas last year. I think they have to, they have to show the incremental growth of, that you would expect – but 2024, 2025 is like, all right, where are uh, are we competing for Big 12 titles, right? Are we in the conversation, right? We're not playing, mm -hmm. we're not necessarily guarantee Big 12 titles, but is Arlington, is AT&T in the conversation? I think those years is when that conversation starts. I think we can compare this program now to Baylor's program a couple years ago when Dave Aranda took over for Matt Rule. Dave Aranda, obviously a better recruiter, I think, high school recruiter than Matt Rule. Mm -hmm. um, I think that... It'll take a couple – yeah, like you said, I think it'll take a year to, like, filter out all of the all of the guys from the past. But I think that we can compare this program a lot to Baylor's program sure. a couple of years ago. I get – and here I, – I agree with everything that's being said. I think 2024, 2025 mm -hmm. is kind of the marker date. The thing is, is they don't give coaches in Lubbock that many years anymore. I so know. does that's McGuire funny. get the Cliff Kingsbury leash or does he get the Matt Wells leash? I'm going to – I think the the uh, Kingsbury. I'm leash. gonna I'm gonna make some people in Lubbock mad. What gives you the right to think that you should be pulling coaches that quickly? I no I agree. No 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 I'm, I'm saying I'm saying like I'm I'm not talking to you. Right. I'm right. saying the Matt Wells leash. I get why that was a thing. Right. It just did not work on many levels. There's no reason a program like Tech should be like we're not winning year two. Joe Yank. McGuire out. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. My no, concern no, no. becomes if the, if it's not 2024. That's does fair. Does he see yeah. 2025? That's fair. That's 100% fair because, again, that's when you talk about cycles, right? I think coaches should get a full recruiting cycle yeah. under their belt before you start making decisions on them. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, I agree. Just Tech has not agreed with that. Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, and that's probably an issue with Tech, but, right. you know. So, moving to Baylor. Uh, Dave Aranda's program went 2-7 and seven in 2020 and 12-2 and two in 2021. The team lost its two best running backs, most of its production at wide receiver, and defensive stars such as Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, and JT Woods. The Bears ranked 99th in returning production, according to ESPN, with 58% back, including Ooh. only 51% of its returning defensive production. This is getting closer and closer to being Dave Aranda's roster. So my question, do the Bears take a step back as the Matt Rule roster cycles out of Waco and is replaced by prospects brought in by Aranda and his staff? Kind of forgot this was a question. Here's the, <laughs> here's the, here's kind of the weird secret. I don't know, secret's the wrong word. Baylor didn't recruit that well under Rule, as far as mm -hmm. numbers go. Right, as far as numbers they go, they brought in good players. You obviously. look at the NFL draft though, and that no, you, right. they brought in premier players like right. here and there. But as far as numbers go, they were kind of okay. Yeah. 
And so I'm wondering if, like, I don't know if they're going to win the Big 12 title with the same group of guys, with, with Aranda's guys or whatever, but I think we're going to see just a reliably good program. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't, be, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we just see, like, their floor being Iowa State, where they're just winning seven, eight games, and then occasionally you get, like, one a year like last year, depending, obviously depending on how long Aranda's there. But I don't know. I, I, this, this year, I don't think they take a step back. I, or I, I do think they take a step back in terms of winning the Big 12. Yeah. But – on the field, I think we still see a good defense, a reliable running game, maybe with some uh, a higher ceiling in the passing game. Yeah, just real quick before Mallory goes, they're over and under for win totals of seven and a half. So Vegas yeah. feels like they're taking a pretty big step backwards. Yeah, I kind of already. I mean, like I kind of already mentioned it earlier. I think yeah. that like Aranda coming in and 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 kind of bringing his, I do think he's a better recruiter than Matt Roll is, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to start to see that here in this year maybe not this year but next year a little bit more um but yeah i think they do take a little step back for I, think, them I mean is anybody in waco year. mad if they win eight games no you know like it, you obviously you win the big 12 title so you're obviously disappointed to not be there but like if they go eight and four yeah. right is anybody like well that stunk what about <laughs> seven and five See, that's, that's where you get close to kind of breaking even. Because the crux of my question basically is, yes. is Baylor more 2020 or more 2021? Like, what is Baylor? Sure. Um, because, like, we mm. can say that Matt Rule didn't recruit as well as, as Dave Aranda, and I, and I agree with that on paper. Yeah. But, like, the people in the recruiting service, like, Baylor kept signing guys under Matt Rule that were like, that dude's underrated. Mm. That yeah. dude's, un-, you know, like, they got James Lynch and, like, guys How like that. How much of that like, good football player? Like, Joey McGuire I was, was about the to ace recruiter. I was about there, to say, right? that's uh, that's another thing that I'm curious to and see, yeah. too. We, this isn't a slight. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I love Dave Aranda. Yes. How well does that work in recruits' rooms? You know, his like personality. He, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like a different fair. kind of dude. So, sure, like, how sure. do you how do you kind of land those guys? How do you keep those guys? Um, they have a really good quarterback committed this year, so he's clearly erasing those concerns. Mm-hmm. But they're coming after a Big Twelve championship and a Sugar Bowl win, so sure. that that helps recruiting a lot. I think they're in the middle mm-hmm. of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. I don't think they're a perennial Big Twelve championship team, at least the way it's constructed mm-hmm. right now. Uh, but I do think they're a seven eight win team every single year. I think eight and four is the step back. Nine and three, maybe. I was about to say, for them to not hit the over, for them to go yeah. seven and five would shock me. Yeah, seven and five with this schedule, their schedule falls very favorably. The Big 12 is kind of in a reshifting mode this year. Yep. And so I, th- I wouldn't be shocked if they go back and repeat to the You Big brought up Parker's uh, yes, thing the other yes. day, mm-hmm. um, or earlier today. Um, I think Baylor should be included in that. I know technically Gary sure. Bohannon was their starting sure. quarterback, quote unquote, last year. But Shapin yeah. won that job to sure. the point where they just announced it in the spring and let Blake go somewhere else, right? right. Mm-hmm. Or not Gary uh, Bohannon go go yeah. somewhere else. So Blake Shapin was their best quarterback by the end of the year. I would include Baylor in that continuity return thing where they bring back all those guys, plus Sean Bell, who's an emerging uh, offensive coordinator star. Uh, in my opinion, so uh, Baylor's going to be an interesting program That's a good to point. watch. I, th- I think we I think we agree that eight and four is disappointing, but not you know you're not like oh you're not like too shocked. Right. Seven and five is probably bad yeah. with this schedule. Anything above that is probably hitting the mark. Because like today, the athletic put out like a coaching tiers. Yes, thing. And yeah. Like Nick Saban's in one A, right? And then there was either or one, and then there was like a one A with a couple of people, and then Dave Aranda's like right there. I mean, he's considered a top ten coach in this country. Yeah. Uh, you don't go seven and five. Right. As a top ten coach in the country, you go nine and three with this kind of team, ten yep. and two maybe with this type of team. So we're going to see if we're overrating. I mean, we all do this in the media. I do it. Everybody does it. You kind of overreact. Yes. Right. And like we overreacted to, to, to two and seven, and we're like, is Dave Aranda really a head coach? Right. Are yeah. we doing the same thing but the opposite with twelve and two? We're going to find out in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I think there's a common theme here. We can all say that college football fans love to overreact. Yes. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. Love yeah. to overreact. Sure. We overreact. What we live off of. With yeah. everything. Right. <laughs> That's why uh, for any gamblers listening out there, avoid week one. Yes. Yeah. You know, just wait until you know a little bit more in week yeah, two. Because we all think we anything. know a lot right now, mm-hmm. and we don't. We, we don't, don't know anything, uh, myself included. Uh, Houston is up next. I don't know if we still call this G5 or P5. They're kind of in purgatory. Uh, but Houston's up next. This one is very simple. Houston won 11 straight games last season and were blown a blown lead away in week one against Texas Tech uh, from running the table in the regular season. Clayton Toon is back at quarterback. Nathaniel Dell is the best slot receiver in America. Doug Belk is the best young defensive coordinator in football. He turned down the same position at Notre Dame this offseason for people that don't know. And the roster is pretty stacked on both sides of the ball. The question 
with Cincinnati losing so many players and with no dominant teams uh, in the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the ACC, can an undefeated Houston squad sneak into the college football playoffs? I, no, I don't think so. So Ooh. a 13-0 Houston squad with wins over Tech, UTSA, and in theory Cincinnati and the AAC doesn't get into the college football playoffs. I just don't think it's strong enough, a strong enough schedule. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think last year Cincinnati had a much stronger schedule than that, and they barely made it in there, but they also had a win over top 10 team, Notre yes, Dame. Say, Notre Dame, sure. yeah. That's so I, I think that they're going to be high. I think they're going to make a New Year's Six Bowl if they do get – if they go undefeated, but I just don't think that that schedule – I mean, and that's – that's, a, that's one thing that they talk about all the time, the committee, is strength of schedule. I mean, that's a huge factor. I, so I think Mallory's I right. You just ruined our game, though. I know. Oh. No. Sorry. <laughs> you answered it correctly. Yeah, no, that, is, right. that is absolutely the yeah, answer. I think you're right. I think the only, the only way is if they just wreck shop. Like, if, they, if they're just winning games by 21 plus. Yeah, that's like a good they, point. But, like, even then, you, they, that's the only that adds way. That the they schedule even, thing. Right. right. Yeah. That's the only way that they're even in the conversation. I don't think – I agree with you. They're not in the conversation if they just roll – if they just go 13-0 and and all this stuff. Oh, cool. They beat – you know, cool. They beat Tech. Tech maybe a 7-6 win team. UTSA, great to beat Conference USA champ, whatever. Um, SMU, then- Cincinnati, that's fine. But, like – I think they have to ro- like they have to go BYU or Boise, how Boise used to be yeah. in the Mountain yeah. West, just rolling teams. Right. So my thing, and this is why I included in the question, I think some of it does come down to who wins the Pac-12, who wins the Big 12, who wins the ACC. Yes. 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 So like, if all of those conferences are won by like a two-loss team, like mm-hmm. Baylor last year, you know, let's see Utah, USC, like say there's a two-loss Pac-12 team. Clemson's not as good as some people think going into this year. You know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. If they're looking for a fourth team, and Notre Dame's not that team, let's say right. Notre Dame loses a couple of games as well, mm-hmm. does the 13-0 Houston team that's moving into a P5 conference right. a Do year, count them a as year after Cincinnati gets in there from that same conference, like does the committee find a spot for them? I think it more – I think the schedule is an important part. I didn't really even think about that. I think the schedule is an important part. I think more importantly, though, is how the conference champions look in the other conferences. That because a, they're not yeah. making it if Oklahoma is undefeated or with one loss and if Clemson only has one loss. Like, those teams yeah, are Oregon. getting it. Yeah, Oregon, yeah. Right. If Utah is 11-1, and one, they're getting it. Right. I was going to say, last year – Cincinnati does not get in if Clemson right, wins the 100%. ACC. Yes. Right. Right. Um, or if, if USC is undefeated in the Pac-12. Or if, or if Utah starts Cameron Rising sure. from week one, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I believe they were undefeated when he was at quarterback, yeah. when Cameron Rising was at quarterback. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's so many things that went right for Cincinnati, and thankfully so. We got to see that happen, right? We got to see that come – you know, we got to see people who – who love the playoff? I'm not one of them, but we got to see people who love the playoff see that reality come to fruition. You know, group of five team getting in, but so many things went perfectly. Like Mallory said, they scheduled Notre Dame, which right. you know, ten years ago, which means it fell right on this right. day exactly. and all this stuff. So, see, that's hard when you're looking at a team where like you can do everything right, yeah, but you also have to hope for those other factors to fall in your favor as yeah, well, and that's where you get in trouble. Right. This, right. this isn't Texas, this isn't Alabama. Like where you can go undefeated, that, I mean, that's it. They you don't steal your fate right there. Right, yep, right. exactly. That's 100%. where it gets hard. You're absolutely correct. SMU up next. I think you skipped TCU, actually. Yeah, we did oh, skip I'm TCU. Sorry. But I'm sorry. That's my fault. That is my fault. Can't forget about the Horned Frogs, man. That is exact. Our good old guy, Sonny Dykes. I'm always trying to forget something about DFW today with TCU. <laughs> you just hate DFW. Uh, <laughs> law, law, so we'll, we'll go to the Horned Frogs. Okay. Um, law 41 and the famous 48 Laws of Power. Y'all should all read that if you haven't. Reads, avoid, avoid stepping into a great man's shoes. Sonny Dykes, Sonny Dykes is doing just that by taking over a TCU program long shepherded by Gary Patterson. The man with already a statue outside of Amen G. Carter Stadium Patterson was 181 and 79 during his tenure at TCU. He led the Horn Frogs conference titles in three different conferences, which is just awesome. Uh, when he took over, TCU was in the whack. That's how far TCU. That's, that's how far TCU went under Gary Patterson. They were in the whack. Dykes hasn't finished better than third in a conference as a head coach since 2011, when Louisiana Tech won the whack. The question. Can Sonny Dykes make the Horn Frogs true Big 12 contenders once Texas and Oklahoma hit the door and he's given a year or two to retool the roster? Also, I just remembered that you remember when uh, the original reason, because they were in the, yeah, the WAC, so Boise was going to go to the WAC, 
because at the time their thing was like, oh, we're going to band together as group of five schools and make a super group of five conference. And TCU was like, bye, Big 12. <laughs> Big 12's here, baby. <laughs> and they just bolted and left them. In the- Check cleared. <laughs> exactly. I remember that. Oh, I, I vividly remember. Because I think it was like them in Hawaii, too, were right. going to be in the conference. I was like, oh, three powerhouses of the group of five. And they were like, nope. <laughs> bye. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, I'm going to say, oh, man. That's a tough question because everything just depends on when they leave, right? And yeah. and, and what the landscape of the conference looks like. Is, is does Houston become this juggernaut, right? Now that they're the big quote unquote big fish in this in the Big Twelve or one of the big fish in the Big Twelve. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, BYU, of course. Baylor. I'm gonna say Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. I'm gonna say yes. Because I think the difference between Sonny Dykes and Gary Patterson, what eventually led to Gary Patterson's downfall as a head coach, was his inability to adapt. Mm -hmm. And I think that Sonny Dykes throughout his career, while not the most prolific career, right? Uh, Probably La Tech, I think, might have been his his only conference title, I think. 2011. Yes. Um, I believe... His Cal tenure obviously did not go the way he wanted. He, you know, the bear raid did not work out there. He didn't gel. He's very candid about that. But he adjusted, right? He ditched more or less the pure air raid. Yep. And he he let kind of younger minds, I don't want to say take over, but adapt his style to fit what SMU was doing. He's recruiting very well. He's in a comfortable place. I genuinely think that we will see TCU – Back, I don't want to say back to you know when it was them and Baylor back to back and forth or in the Big Twelve, but I genuinely think we'll see TCU as a top four program in the Big Twelve once Texas and Oklahoma leave consistently because I I've yet to see Sonny Dykes at SMU and I'm go, I'm going based off SMU again. He, California's Cal. I, yeah, you know, I think he threw Cal away. Exactly. He adjusted and he made adjustments to the environment around him he was more balanced he recruited insanely well he brought in transfers when he need to he's a very open book he's not rigid and I think Gary again I think that's what we've seen TCU bring in great talent and underperform because Gary Patterson did not adjust his offensive philosophy maybe he did not adjust his defensive scheme and he didn't have the personnel to work at the time I think you can get talent TCU and I think Sonny Dykes knows that and I think he knows how to adapt and so I think in the coming years we will see TCU punch into that top four. I don't think they're one of the programs left behind. I just think the the point that you brought up, Craven, is that like he hasn't finished better than third in yep. the AAC, and he's moving sure. to a better conference. Sure. And two of those teams, two of the best teams in the previous conference, are coming back over. Yeah, that's fair. So I think that, that piece of evidence right there could be a, a good case to say, I don't think he can keep up. Okay, I want y'all to pick three out of these programs. Okay. Cincinnati, Baylor, Houston, Texas Tech, BYU, UCF, TCU. Is is TCU one of those is one of those three programs that you think is going to be a power player in the Big 12? No. I don't think so either. I'd say they're four for me. Yeah. Yeah. I would think four or five. Right. Like they're right there with Texas Tech. Sure. You know, and like yeah. for me, uh, it's just hard. It's just hard to following such a great leader. Like it tends to go the other way. Sure. Yeah. You know, like it just tends fair. to, it tends to take a couple of years will, to recalibrate a program. I will say the one thing I think that they did smart was they didn't try to go one for one, right. In terms of a replacement guy, they didn't try to, or they didn't try to go the virtual opposite way. I think Sonny Dykes was a quote unquote safe hire, but I think it was a safe, smart hire. Mm-hmm. He's somebody from the region. He's somebody who knows the landscape He's not somebody that's going to radically change everything we're doing. They're not running the triple. They're not going completely opposite, right? Gary Patterson had teams that threw the ball in the past, right? Right. I, I don't know. I, I just think this is kind of the shift they needed, but not the culture shock necessarily that's going to like completely change and revolutionize everything and potentially go awry. So I think Cincinnati is going to be really good for a long time. Yes. Right. Ohio's an underrated football state. They only really have to deal yeah. with Ohio State. I mean, right? it still also depends on Luke Fickle. Sure. How long is he sure. there, too? Sure. Yeah. I think Baylor's here to stay as long as Dave Aranda. And they've proven yep. they'll hire multiple coaches, right? They've had yep. three coaches be in conference championship games yep. like over the last decade. So Baylor's going to be there. Houston, fertile recruiting ground, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Tillman, Fertitta, Sugar Daddy, yep. all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, Holgerson's not Holgerson, going anywhere. Holgerson's more proven, yep. I think, than Sunny Dykes. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech has 40,000 students. 
Yeah. And they're about to pay every single player on their team, including 15 walk-ons, 25000 uh per player. Fair. BYU, always really good. UCF, Orlando, they're going to have Florida all to themselves at the Big 12 level. Then we get to TCU. They have three or 4,000 students at a time. They just don't. Yeah. In the NIL world, how does TCU keep up? Mm-hmm. Like it's like different d- classifications in, in high school football. Right. It's, they just don't have the – they don't have the amount of alumni to rate. Like we're going to yeah, find I out guess, how yeah. rich TCU is Yes, because yeah, yeah. they're going to have to yeah. quote unquote pony up some money. Yeah. Right. Just to keep up yeah. with tech, to keep up with BYU, to keep up with Cincinnati, keep up with UCF. Do they do it? We'll find out. Yeah. Uh, what made me really concerned is Joel Anderson didn't seem all that confident. And yeah. He's like Mr. TCU. So I was like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> so SMU, we're moving to SMU. This is a great segue. This is a better segue than I originally planned. So skipping TCU worked out perfectly because now we go <laughs> from TCU to the other DFW team that he used to coach. The Mustangs were 30 and 17 in four seasons under Sonny Dykes, but it was a Jekyll and Hyde situation for SMU over that span. They went 24 and seven before the start of November and six and 10 after Halloween. The team started 8-0 in 2019, 5-1 in 2020, and 7-0 in 2021 before late season collapses. Some of that is about schedule. Obviously, that's not all. You know, they were losing to good teams, right? Yep. They're, they're, some of that was schedule. My question, how can SMU change that narrative under Rhett Lashley? How or, or can they? <laughs> well, how, yeah, can, how can SMU yeah, change that? Um, man. Because it, it more or less it seemed like when teams got film on them, they just kind of just kind of I don't want to say Fell folded. That's a that's a harsh word way to put it. But more or less like couldn't became win. A, couldn't I was about stick to say, it out. You know, <clears throat> they weren't great in close games. They weren't no. great in close games. And they when they had when the they depth. when they played teams of equal or better talent, they could not have those over performances. Right? UTSA, you can see if they if last year you saw games where they're not the better team and they eked it out. Right? They fought their way to get through. I have not seen SMU do that yet. If they face the Cincinnati or Houston, they're getting wrecked. Yeah. You know, they're getting overmatched. So I don't know if they can. If I'm being honest, I think I'm afraid this might be more or less a ceiling right. for them of a pretty good team. But please leave Cincinnati and Houston. You know? well, right. The answer may be wait out. <laughs> right. Wait out this year. Yeah. And then the American becomes a little bit more winnable. Yeah. I, th- I genuinely think it's that. That's my that's my thing. Yeah. So I don't know. It's easier, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, pay $36,000 per player Yeah, every single year. That'll help uh, get some recruiting in there. I think, I think honestly, my answer is just play better defense. Yeah. Like, if they can become a more balanced team, like, they're an, like under Sunny Dykes, they were an oh, offensive yes. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I, when you said that, I was like, yeah, they need to become a more balanced yeah. team. They, if they, sure. if like, they can, if they can be, like, a top half of the conference defense, all of a sudden you start winning those close yes. games. You know, like, it's hard to win 45 to 42 every single week. Right, exactly. And that's what we saw a lot of last year. Like, yeah. the defense just wasn't there in a lot of those games. So they'd have to put up, like, 50 points to even compete. And it's like, dude, your offense can't. Right handle that kind of pressure every single week and when your defense isn't already very good it just puts so much pressure on everyone else you get a couple injuries and all of a sudden that that margin for error isn't very good so i, I think for smu the answer is this year is going to be tough yep but then next year all of a sudden the american becomes your conference to dominate yep. because you got more money than everybody else you're in dallas right like mm-hmm. there's a lot of advantages for smu moving forward so i think this year will be like a seven and five six and six type type season and then moving forward i think they should be a favorite to win a conference championship on on a lot of years so yep. Uh, good times for SMU in the front mirror. UTSA up next. Meet, meet. Jeff Trailer is 19 Homer. and 7. 19. Jeff Trailer. I'm starting over. Meet, meet. <laughs> UTSA. Homer. UTSA. I will keep starting over, Mallory. I've listened to way it's too many. It's 2.53. I've, lear- I've listened to way too many bird calls to not. Anyway, Jeff Trailer is 19 and 7, entering his third year as head coach of the Roadrunners. They were 41 and 55 overall as a program when he arrived. Of those, this is insane to me. Of those 19 wins, 13 were by eight points or fewer. Oh, man. Of the seven losses, three were one score games. So, 20 of Trailer's 26 games at UTSA have come down to one possession football games, with him winning 65% of those matchups. The question, because Ish, I know you're also an analytical nerd like me. Yes. Is that sustainable or is that pure luck? Does this signal that UTSA is bound to fall back to earth 2022-2023 as those close games fall more to 50-50 like statistically they should? I I think so. Like but th- all that means is they're not going to be a conference winner every year. 
you know, I think that means that they could still be a consistent bowl team. Um, but yeah, a fumble is not going to go your way. Frank Harris isn't going to throw, flaw- isn't going to play flawlessly against certain teams. Certain teams are going to have breaks go their way. That's just how football works, right? One possession games tend to swing the other way over time. That doesn't mean that UTSA is doomed. I still think that consistently, if we look at Jeff Trailer's tenure, let's fast forward ten years. Mm-hmm. I think we'll still look at a team that won the conference title, maybe won another one, weren't le- weren't worse than six, seven wins. Right. I think consistently that's what we could see from this program. Is this like more long term or is this more just in the next couple of years? I was leaving that open for interpretation. Okay. Probably over the well, next couple of years. I was just going to say, well, when does Jeff Trailer leave? Like yeah. he's never really going to take another job at a higher level. So yeah. I guess whenever that happens, maybe whenever Steve Sarkeesian's out at Texas. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> right. So <laughs> I, I think I think for UTSA, yeah, a regression to the mean is coming. Sure. Sure. Right. Like. You're not a, a, an 11 and You don't win every team, 50-50 game. You know, like, you're right. not going to win all those 50-50 games. Like, that's that's an insane stat. Yep. For 65% of your games to be one possession game – or for, for, for you to win one possession game 65% of the time. Mm-hmm. And to be in so many close games, again, he's coached uh, 26 games at, at UTSA. 20 of them yeah. have been one possession games. Sure. Um, and so I think there's a regression to the mean coming. I think moving to the Americans is going to do that naturally anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but maybe winning close games is a feature of Jeff Trailer coaching. Sure. Right? Like, there is that you know possibility out, out there. Just like you know how to win, right? Like, that's what makes him a great coach is right. knowing how to win. So we will see if that trend continues. If it doesn't, though, UTSA is going to go back to kind of 6-6, 7-5, 8-4 on really good years. It'll be interesting for me as a Roadrunner grad who's going to watch this program grow, like what that does to the fan base. Mm-hmm. Like if they are a 7-5, and 8-4, and 9-3 and t- team occasionally, they win one conference championship, let's say, every three or four seasons. Mm. Will UTSA fans feel like that $2.8 million a year to Jeff Trailer is like worth, worth it? it? Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I would consider them spoiled if they do that. And right. I will be like out front and sitter like, what are we talking about? Like, <laughs> right. This is ridiculous. Like, we're still UTSA. It'll be just, you know, once you kind of have those expectations, it's hard to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. It's hard, you know, like you overachieve and then you just think like, oh, that's just where we're at. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's that schedule worked out perfectly last year. You won some close games that just took a ball bounce. We'll see where that goes moving forward. It's really a concern of mine for, for the Roadrunners moving forward. Mm-hmm. Rice. David Bailiff, the Kevin Bacon of the state of Texas, right? There are <laughs> seven degrees of separation between every coach in the state and David Bailiff. David Bailiff led the Owls to three consecutive bowl games from 2012 to 2014. He should have a statue for that. But he didn't register a winning record in his last three seasons, and current head coach Mike Bloomgren hasn't achieved better than a four-win season in his four years at the helm. The Owls are 11-31 and 31 in Bloomgren's four years, 22. And 20 and 58 since 2015. My question, is this just what Rice is as a football program, capable of winning two or three, capable of winning for a two or three year span before struggling for four or five years after? The 10 win season in 2008 was also followed by three losing seasons, for example. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, not everybody can be good at one time because talent isn't going to just trickle down everywhere and everybody's going to get the best players. Everybody's going to get the, you know, there will be haves and have nots in the state when it goes to recruiting. Obviously when you're rice and you have your own standards, that's just going to be the way it is. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to do the David Bailiff thing and, you know, have a good coach that gives you the conference title that gives you a couple uh, runs, but also you're going to have the David Bailiff come down where it's like, Ooh, what's happening in the program now? I don't know. I say this as a Texas state fan. You're rice, right? I'm, I'm a, I know my program's Texas State. You're not going to be good for 10 years. Yeah. That's just not how it is. No program. Look at Texas. Texas isn't good for 10 years, right? This is just how programs are. And when you keep going down the pecking order, that's how, that's how hard it gets. Right. And when you're going to try and be an elite program like Rice is academic-wise, like you're just in another category for recruiting. And, and, and also, like if, you, if you're going to go – if you want to go play football at the next level – while also really caring about your academics, you're probably going to go to Stanford, right? You're yeah. probably going to go to a, a bigger powerhouse of a football program. You know? I don't think it's a coincidence that Rice has kind of fallen off as UTSA has grown. Yes. You know, I, I think UTSA is starting to get the Sam players Houston. that Rice. Yeah. And that's what I was about to say. You add Sam Houston to that FBS mix, who do they recruit? Right. Right? Like, where does that recruiting base go? Because, like, let's take the, the, uh, the Walter Twins mm-hmm. from Crosby back in the day that yes. were really, really good at uh rice those guys go to utsa now 
right? Yeah. Or SMU yeah. or something like sure. that, right? Like, so uh, I think it's going to be really hard for, for Blue Groom to pull himself out of this hole. Uh, I do wonder if, like, this is kind of the last year and they kind of use it as a we're moving to the American, let's transition out of this coaching stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, because it does seem really hard to consistently win at Rice. You're kind of stuck between, like, well, what are the expectations? Like, am I – should he get fired yeah. for like doing what we all expect Rice to do? Like, yeah. do you need those couple highs? Like, what is it? You know what I mean? And yeah. like, it's just it's, a it's just a different program. It's a hard job. It's the yeah. hardest job in the state. It's yeah. the hardest job in the state. Okay, we finish up with Texas State. Not that that was a coincidence or anything. Oh, <sighs> here we go. All right. We can all agree that head coach Jake Spavadol wasn't provided the resources needed to make the Bobcats a contender at the FBS level. The best indoor practice facility and weight room is located at the local high school. The school wasn't even offering full cost of attendance scholarships for years. But Texas State is under new leadership in the athletic offices, and those new faces appear determined to right those wrongs. So, my question. Is Spavadol the guy to take Texas State to a bowl game for the first time in program history if those resources come? Or is it a little... Is it too little, too late if the Bobcats don't reach a bowl game in 2022? Basically... Will he be given enough time to see the benefits of these added resources? Mm. I'm going to say I think he could be the guy. If it's not this year, I don't think he will be the guy. Yeah. Um, new president, new AD. Obviously, new AD was involved in the hiring process for him because he was part of the last regime. But I do think we're coming up to – I mentioned four-year cycles, right, recruiting cycles. I think we're coming up to those that cycle now, right? We ha he has his third starting quarterback now uh, in Lane Hatcher, who I think might be the, be the best of the bunch so far. Um, Numbers-wise, he likes where the team's at. I like where the team's at numbers-wise. It is kind of a prove-it year. He was hired to be a prove-it coach, right? Or a program that has that had the numbers under Withers that just didn't perform in the field. He was brought in to be that guy. That Now, maybe, like you mentioned, the behind-the-scenes stuff was a lot worse than we thought. And he maybe was in over his head for a young coach that was hired to be the scheme guy to also be the building guy <laughs> all of a sudden. I do think, again, I do think he could be the guy because you look at his offensive coordinating tenure, proven itself. He's under, he's coached under the right coaches, right? I think he's, you look at his uh, record, I think he's coached alongside the right coaches to have faith in his, uh, his offensive uh, mind. But, I, again, it has to be this year. And I, if it's not, I don't think he is the guy next year. I mean, he's given. He's been given all the tools, you know. He's he's being set up for to have a good team. You know, it might not be the best in the Sun Belt or whatever, but he's being given the tools to do well. And like you said, if this year isn't going to be the year, then I mean, what is your answer after that? Yeah, this one's hard for me. This one's really hard for me because, like, y'all are right. Yeah. Like on paper, this needs to be the show at year. Like you either make a bowl game or at mm -hmm. least like show major improvements, or you're gone. Like that's how this works. This is this is not this is not socialism, right? This is capitalism. Mm -hmm. Like this is like you have to uh, succeed. You're getting paid a lot of money or a decent amount of money. Uh, go win some football games. Conversely, though, I just cannot get away from the idea of like how like he's got one hand tied behind his back. Oh, I agree. And so like how yeah. how do we sit up here and go like he's underachieved? Right? Has he? Sure. Like that's I fair. think I think he I think this is if. With the amount of resources they put in, four and eight's all you can expect. Mm -hmm. you I mean, how much can you? I was I was just about to say, how much can you really expect? Right, and sure. that's my you thing know? is like, if you're if you're putting in resources to be an eight win, ten win, like if you're Texas, I get why those expectations are off sure. tilt, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you're you're putting so much money into the program that your expectations aren't reality. Yeah, right. But at Texas State, the reality is. You're a four-win team. Sure. Until you have a better weight room, until you have an indoor, until you can afford an offensive coordinator. Like, he's the offensive coordinator because he knows he can't keep anyone else around on yeah. the pay scale. I was about he to say, hires like, an offensive coordinator, and they're good. Yeah. That offensive coordinator gets a new job, and now they're changing offenses again. Yep. So it's just easier for him to be the play caller and to be the OC and to free up that money for else, other things. Yeah. I'm not going to crush a guy who is in that situation. That's crazy. This is FBS football. Yeah, let me make let me make one thing clear. Like, I would love for President Kelly Dampus to come out and say, you know, and, and Don Coriel to come out and say, we're giving him, you know, they've announced these facility upgrades, right? They've right. announced the weight room expansion, all that stuff. I would love for them to come out and say, Spavadol's good until he has two, three years with these facilities. I right. think the clock should start over. Sure, exactly. That's really I yeah. I would yeah, love, that's actually, yeah. I would love for them to come out and say that, right? I don't think they will. I agree. Right? Yeah. Because that's, I agree. Not, that's, that's not, not the, the nature of college football. To, that's yeah. not the nature of college. Right. That's a great, that, that is exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Like, 
you have two a, things can be true at one time. Exactly. You have a fan base that irrationally, rationally, whatever, they're going to see four wins. If they see four wins again, even five wins again, they'll be like, what, what the fuck? Right. Are we serious? Like, right. right. And then you're going to have a president who's going to, you know, again, by all indications, very pro athletics. He's going to feel the need to be like, all right, well, I'm not sure if he's the guy that can, mm-hmm. build, you know, I'm going to go get my guy. Exactly. I'm going to go get my guy. Me and Don Coriel are going to go get our guy who knows how to build. Right. And again, maybe. Jake Spavadol is dealing with a job he wasn't brought in to do, right? Yeah. Building was not something he was meant to do. He was, made to, he was meant to take this nice recipe of tuna, of tuna salad and turn it into tuna salad. But it, turn, it turns out they didn't give him tuna salad. <laughs> they gave him, like, cat food. Right. <laughs> and he's right. like, hey, turn that into tuna salad. Yeah. He's like, like, I don't even have mayonnaise. I was about to say, <laughs> I can't. That's not edible. I don't know what's happening. If I do get mayonnaise, I got to go get it from San Marcos High School. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Ex- literally. Yeah. So I think that the answer to this, unfortunately, will be – well, let's just go get a guy who can do it. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I don't think he gets an extra year, but I think we all agree that he probably should. Should. Yeah. Get yeah. An extra year. So yeah. that's a good point. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Boom. So there you go. Twelve. Twelve questions. Hope you're prepared because, uh, yeah, that's our preview. <laughs> so we got the season starting this week. We got week zero. UNT at UTEP. Like I said. UTEP fans, please make that a sellout. We're so close. We're yeah. so close. Last I, I checked, it was like 6,000, I think. 5,000 left. 5,000 5, left. 5,000 left. Oh, uh, here, UNT here, fans, get out there. Come here's on a now. little secret. Here's a little secret. Yeah. It's going to be sold out. Oh, yeah. Every seat yeah. may not be taken. Sure, sure, sure. But it's They're announcing be sold that sellout, out. baby. Somebody's yeah. buying those last 5,000 Oh, yeah. We know right. how athletic departments work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we are, yes, we're very pumped for that. Um, of course, Mike and Mallory will be heading out there. They'll be having a good time in El Paso, checking out some high school football on Friday as well before the game on Saturday. If you're out there, I don't know if you see them walking around. They might they yeah. might be heading out before uh, for kickoff in the in the parking lot tailgate. Yeah, all we're gonna stuff. tailgate. So hit yeah. me up on Twitter and exactly. tell us where to go. There you yeah. go. So if you be, hey, if you want to be in our TikTok, yeah, uh, Ooh, we're yeah, nice. cameras around. We're going to do, we got the Gen Zer out we're there now. So. <laughs> we're doing it big. <laughs> we got the Gen Zer TikToker out there. So Mallory's gonna be walking Jeez. around with their phone because uh, <laughs> I want to see how much atmosphere stuff works. Sure, you know, like if people like that kind of stuff. Exactly, you know, I think people will, and they do. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. So this will be the first time in a while that we have, uh, I think, two people on the road for a, for a college football game. Yeah. So this will be really yeah. cool. So Let's go. Ever in my tenure. Yeah, exactly. So this will be fun. Uh, like I mentioned, they will have they will be back Sunday with a recap episode, obviously over the Week Zero game. Uh, again, maybe the night of, so they might sound absolutely drained, or it could be the Sunday morning. Who knows? I don't know. They'll figure it out. Uh, regardless, it will be out Sunday or by Sunday, whenever they decide to do it. And it will be out on Apple and Spotify. Next week, next Wednesday, we will be back here in the studio, 2 p.m. Wednesday, live on all the platforms. I'm going to miss one, so I'm not going to say them all, but you get them all. Uh, You understand exactly where you can find us if you're watching us right now. If not, look them up or check a previous episode where I've talked about all the platforms that we are on. Um, Anyway, we'll be back with previews for a week one edition, Mm -hmm. which... Finally getting into the groove. I'm finally happy about that. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed listening to us, please leave us a like, follow us, all that stuff. Leave a comment, all that stuff on Apple, Spotify. Five star, please. Only five stars. No four stars. For some reason, the algorithm just hates four stars. <laughs> it's just yeah, like you're, they do. you're trash if you have four stars. <laughs> yeah. So you fall back in the first picture. or your last. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, without for with that being said, I'm Ishmael Johnson for Mike Craven, for Mallory Hartley. We have had 12 of the future 13 FBS head coaches on this podcast. Shout out Casey Keeler and Sam Houston moving up next year. Jimbo Fisher, you give us a call. Peace.